انشاءاللہ ویل بگن سورت یاسین بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم سورت یاسین از اے مکی سورہ اٹ ہیز ایٹی تھری ورسز اباؤٹ سیون ہنڈریڈ اینڈ تھرٹی ورڈز اینڈ اپروکسیمیٹلی تھری تھاؤزینڈ حروف دس سورہ سورت یاسین دیر آر سم ٹریڈیشنس سم پروفیٹک ٹریڈیشنس ان وچ دی ایکسلنس دا ورچو آف سورت یاسین از مینشنڈ ہاؤور those narrations are not authentic so for example there are some narrations that mention that surah yasin is the heart of the quran but upon examination it is very evident that these narrations are not necessarily authentic it is perhaps because of these narrations that surah yasin has a very special place in the heart of many muslims they give special attention to the recitation of the surah especially when someone you know is unwell or if someone has a habit of reciting the quran definitely they will recite surah yasin this is one of the surahs that is definitely memorized by many muslims thinking that the surah has some special status definitely the surah has a status because it is a surah of the quran it is the speech of allah so of course the surah should be recited it should be memorized just as any other surah of the quran should be recited and it should be memorized so what is the message of the surah what does the surah tell us bismillahir rahmanir rahim in the name of allah the entirely merciful the especially merciful bismillahir rahmanir rahim this is a statement that is known as the basmala meaning to say bismillah And the Basmala is a constant mustaqila verse that comes at the beginning of every surah of the Qur'an except for surah At-Tawbah. Meaning it is to be recited at the beginning of every single surah except for surah At-Tawbah. And what does it mean by Bismillahirrahmanirrahim? That in the name of Allah who is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, meaning I begin what I am doing, by mentioning the name of Allah. Why is it that we mention the name of Allah when we begin something new or when we begin something important? Because the name of Allah is not like the name of any other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, تَبَارَكَ اسْمُ The name of your Lord is blessed. It has barakah in it. Meaning just mentioning the name of Allah brings blessing in what we are doing. If you think about it, when an animal is being slaughtered and the name of Allah is mentioned at the time of the slaughter, then what happens? That animal is halal for us to eat. But if the animal is slaughtered and the name of Allah is not mentioned, then what happens? That animal is not lawful for us to eat. It's not permissible for us to eat it. So, What is it that makes that meat halal or haram? What's the difference? The mention of the name of Allah. If the name of Allah is mentioned, the meat is halal. And if the name of Allah is not mentioned, the, the meat is haram. So the difference comes with what? The name of Allah. So the name of Allah is indeed very, very powerful. It is indeed very blessed because it's the name of the Creator. It's the name of Ar-Rabb, the Lord, the Sovereign, the Master, the Maker of this entire universe. So 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم this is the etiquette that we have been taught also that when we begin the recitation of the Quran especially when we begin the recitation of a new surah then what is it that we should mention بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم to seek Allah's blessing in understanding the surah in earning the reward and in also to understand the surah correctly and also so that the message of the surah reaches our heart so that our actions can change Because it is so easy to read something but not be affected by it. It's so easy to learn and understand something but not benefit from that knowledge. So we mention the name of Allah seeking Allah's blessing in the action that we are doing. So that this knowledge that we are getting over here, this reflection upon the Qur'an is something that's useful for us. It is something that's beneficial for us. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ياسين 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 are حروف these are letters two letters firstly the letter ya and secondly the letter seen and these حروف like for example the حروف الف لام ميم or for example طا ها many of the حروف of the Arabic alphabet they appear at the beginning of different surahs of the Quran In fact, 29 surahs of the Qur'an, 29 out of 114 surahs of the Qur'an, they begin with these huruf. And these huruf are known as the huruf muqatta'at, meaning the disjointed letters. Why are they muqatta'at? How are they disjointed? Because they are read in a very different way. Generally, when we read the Qur'an, or when we say something in Arabic, we connect the sound of the letters. Right? Like for example, Bismillah. Ba, the letter Ba, we are connecting the sound of the letter Ba with the sound of the letter Seen. Bis. We don't read it as Ba, Seen. Right? But when it comes to the huruf muqatta'at, we actually say Ismul Harf. We say the name of the letter. Why is it that we say the name of the letter? Because that is how the Prophet ﷺ recited this to the Sahaba. Now the question is, why do these huruf come at the beginning of some surahs of the Qur'an? They are basically meant to demonstrate our limited knowledge. Because if you think about it, it's just two huruf, just two letters. Ya, seen. But no matter how much we try to find out, to figure out the meaning, the exact meaning of these huruf, can we figure that out? No, we cannot. Which is why we see that those scholars who said that these huruf, huruf muqatta'at, they actually have a meaning, they gave a variety of opinions. And in fact, none of those opinions really has any sound basis for it because there's no proof for it in the Qur'an and Sunnah. So these huruf, they basically demonstrate our limited knowledge. And you see when they're recited, they're recited with a mad, ya, seen, right? Alif, lam, meem. So they are also meant to attract attention. Right at the beginning of the surah, huruf are recited as ismul harf, and they are recited with mad in order to attract attention. And we see that the Arab poets, they occasionally used disjointed letters at the beginning of their poetry. Why? For a similar reason, to attract attention to the speech that was to follow.
And this is why we see that the people at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they never really asked him about the meaning and purpose of these huruf. Because they understood the purpose. They got the message. And what was the purpose? These huruf are attracting the attention of the listeners. And these huruf are hinting at something. What are they hinting at? Firstly, our limited knowledge. And secondly, the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. How is it that these huruf give the message of, they hint towards the miraculous nature of the Qur'an? Because these huruf are basically drawing the listener's attention to the contents of the Qur'an. And if you think about it, the Qur'an is composed of which letters? The letters of the Arabic language. Right? The letters which are in the Arabic alphabet. So it is as if the people of the language are being told, the Qur'an is composed of the same letters that you use, that you are familiar with. There are no letters in the Qur'an, no sounds in the Qur'an that are not in your language. The Qur'an is in your language. But yet, it is such that you cannot produce anything that even matches the eloquence and the style and the perfection and the beauty of this speech. So it's as though it's a challenge. Yasin. Two huruf. Try. It's as if the mushrikeen or those who denied the Qur'an are being suggested that go ahead, give it a try. Use these two letters. Can you produce something like the Qur'an? No, you cannot. So yasin at the beginning of the surah. Why? To summarize, to attract attention. And secondly, to display man's limited knowledge. And thirdly, to display the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. Yaseen. It has also been suggested that this particular set of huruf muqatta'at, Yaseen, in the lugha of, in the language of a particular tribe of Tay, or according to others, Bilhabashiya, in that dialect, the letter Ya was for nida. Like we say, Ya ayyuhan nas. Right? In the Quran we learn, Ya ayyuhan nabi. So Ya, Ya is for, it means, Oh. So Ya is for nida. And Seen is an abbreviation of the word insan. Alright? Seen is just an abbreviation of the word insan. Insan means man. So Ya seen meaning, Oh man. Which man? Ya rajul. Which man? The man who is being Spoken to, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. However, we see that these huruf, as we learned earlier, that these are not just unique to this surah. 29 surahs of the Qur'an begin with huruf muqatta'at. So if yasin has a meaning, then the rest of the huruf muqatta'at should also have a meaning. But we don't learn of their meaning. Right? So then it is safest to say that yasin is of huruf muqatta'at. So Yasin, وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ wa By الْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ By the Qur'an that is Hakim. Hakim over here is a description of Qur'an. And wow at the beginning is for Qasim. It is for the purpose of swearing an oath. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is swearing an oath. Allah is swearing an oath by what? By the Qur'an. And remember that anytime 
an oath is taken, then the maqsoom alayh, what is maqsoom alayh? The object by which the oath is being taken. Like for example, we say, by Allah. Right? We're swearing an oath by who? By Allah. Over here, by the Qur'an. The Qur'an is maqsoom alayh. So remember that the maqsoom alayh, the object on which the oath is being taken, is always, always of great importance. Because if it did not have any importance, then why would an oath be taken by it anyway? You understand? Like for example, when people are in a court and they have to take an oath, like for example certain witnesses, right? If they're testifying, they have to take an oath. What book is it or what is it that they have to swear an oath by? Usually. If it's a Muslim, then they have to swear an oath by? By? The Qur'an. Right? Why the Qur'an? Why not some other book? Why? Because for a Muslim, the Qur'an has great value. It has great importance. You understand? So, وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ If Allah is swearing an oath by the Qur'an, what does that tell us about the status of the Qur'an? About the importance, about the rank of this book. وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ And remember, the purpose of an oath, why is an oath taken? It is always to emphasize what is being said. Meaning when a person, his word is not going to be accepted as is, then what does he do? He swears an oath so that his statement increases in weight. And when it increases in weight, then what will happen? People will accept it. Right? For instance, in a court, if a witness is testifying, I saw this happening. Right? But those words are not accepted. He has to swear. He has to take an oath. Why take an oath? To show that he's not lying at all. Isn't it? So, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is swearing an oath. But if you think about it, does Allah really need to swear an oath? No, He does not. Because, وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا Who is more truthful than Allah in speech? Nobody. Allah is most truthful in speech. Allah's word because Allah has said something, it has value. Because Allah has said something, it is true. It is al-haq. It is a fact. But if Allah is swearing an oath, then what message is being given in a very subtle way to us? That you better pay attention to what is being said. Because Allah is swearing an oath over here. So, وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ By the Qur'an that is Al-Hakim. Now before we continue, we need to look at the word Al-Hakim. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the Qur'an as Hakim. Now what does it mean by Hakim? Hakim means Dhul Hikmah. One that has Hikmah in it. Meaning one that is of wisdom. One that is full of wisdom. So the Qur'an is full of wisdom. It's a wise book. How is it wise? Firstly, in its contents. It's full of wise guidance. The rules, the injunctions that are mentioned in the Qur'an, they're all wise. How are they wise? Because they're according to, they suit man's nature. They are 
logical. They are based upon fairness, on justice, and reason. We, as human beings, may fall short in our understanding, but the fact is that there is no discrepancy in the book of Allah because it is full of wisdom. It's full of wisdom also in its order, in its arrangement, in its tartib. The way the Qur'an has been arranged, in that is also hikmah. Then we see there is hikmah, there is wisdom also in the uslub, in the style of the Qur'an. How? That where there are contents which require shiddah, that require some intensity, then we can feel that intensity in just the words or in just the sounds. And where gentleness is required, given the contents, given the message, then that gentleness, that love is also felt. It is also very evident. And it's amazing how a person may not understand even a word of the Arabic language. But when they hear the recitation of the Qur'an, then does it not impact them? Does it not impact them? It does. I mean, think about it. When you did not study the meanings of the Qur'an, did you still enjoy listening to the Qur'an? Yes. It's amazing how little children who don't understand a word of the Qur'an, they love listening. Why? Because the very style of the Qur'an, the very speech, the very manner of recitation, the very words and the sounds and the rhythm, all of that is very, very effective. So it is Al-Hakim. The Qur'an is full of wisdom and therefore it is worthy of being followed. It's wise in its style. Also, that where there's warning, there's also good news. It's very balanced. Then the word Al-Hakim, Al-Hakim also means Muhkam. It also gives the meaning of Muhkam, meaning one that is made firm, one that is perfected and solidified. It is perfected, it's made firm, it is solidified. So the Qur'an, it is solidified, it is perfected in its marvelous arrangement, in its meanings, in its words. So it's basically a text that cannot be distorted. It's a text that cannot be played around with. In Surah Hud, Ayah 1, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Uhkimat Ayatuhu. This is a book whose verses have been perfected. In Surah Nisa, Ayah number 82, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Walau kana min indi ghaylillah, lawajadu fihi ikhtilafan kathira. That if this Quran was from someone other than Allah, then the people would have found in the Quran a lot of contradiction. So the Qur'an is muhkam, it is perfected. How? That there is no contradiction in it. There is no contradiction in it. In Surah Fussilat, Ayah 42, Allah says, لَا يَأْتِيهِ الْبَاطِلُ مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَلَا مِنْ خَلْفِهِ تَنْزِيلٌ مِنْ حَكِيمٍ حَمِيدٌ That no falsehood can enter this Qur'an, neither from before it, nor from after it. Meaning anywhere in the Qur'an, falsehood cannot be admitted into it. So Qur'an is hakim as in muhkam. Its text is strengthened, it is perfected. Another meaning of the word hakim is muhkim. Muhkim. Now this is with a kasra under the kaf. And muhkim is that which makes firm. Mutqinul ashya, Meaning that which strengthens the other. So how is the Qur'an muhkim? It is such that 
if a verse of the Qur'an proves something, then that verse is enough as evidence. Like for example, the Qur'an tells us about the Day of Judgment. Does it? Over and over again. So then, even if we don't find any scientific evidence for that, is an evidence from the Qur'an sufficient? Yes. Because the Qur'an is muhkim. It gives strength. And in Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 115, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا The words of your Lord are perfected. How? With truthfulness and fairness. Then the word Hakim also has another meaning. And you see, this is the perfection of the Qur'an. Really, the fact that the words of the Qur'an are so rich in their meaning and that are in the Qur'an, they come over and over again in different ways. Each ayah only strengthening another ayah. Each part of the Qur'an strengthening another part of the Qur'an despite the fact that the Qur'an was revealed over a period of 23 years. What does this show? How perfect of a speech this Qur'an is. And it can only, only be the word of Allah. It can only be the speech of Allah. It cannot be the speech of a human being. Because the speech of a human being is full of errors. Especially if it is composed over a period of 23 years, then it's bound to have many, many errors. The word hakim, what does it mean? Hakim is that which is decisive, conclusive. Meaning that which gives a final judgment. Final judgment. And that final judgment, then that is accepted. It cannot be ignored. Like for example, two parties, they could be fighting with each other. One says, I am innocent. The other says, no, I am innocent. Both are blaming each other. But what happens when they go to the judge and the judge says, you are innocent and you are guilty? Then that is hakim, meaning the judge is hakim, he has made the decision and now it is known, it is established who is guilty and who is not. Who is innocent and who is not. Final judgment. So when it comes to many religious matters, we see that people have differences. Right? People have differences. Now how do you tell what is right and what is not? What is it that we have to refer to? We have to refer to the book of Allah. Because it is Al-Hakim. Meaning it is Hakim. In Surah Al-Shura, ayah number 10, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَخْتَلَفْتُمْ فِيهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَحُكْمُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ That whatever matter you differ in, then its hukm, its final judgment, will be by who? Allah. Meaning you find that out from where? From the speech of Allah, meaning the Qur'an. Because it is hakim. So yaseen wal Qur'an al-hakim. By the Qur'an that is wise. Now before we continue, if you think about it, wise, hakim. What can be described as hakim? Something that's living or non-living? Living or non-living? Living, right? Rational. A rational living being can be defined as wise. So when Allah describes the Qur'an as hakim, what does it teach us? That the Qur'an indeed is a living book. Meaning it never ever becomes outdated. It will always be relevant. And it will always be relevant to every single individual. 
Every single individual. No matter what we are going through in life, the Qur'an will be a living guide for us. No matter what stage we are at, no matter what we are experiencing, we will always find something in the Qur'an that will be of benefit to us. Just like a friend we can speak to, who can advise us. The Qur'an, just like that for a believer, is like a living companion. وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears an oath by the Qur'an while describing it as hakim. Why? In order to prove that إِنَّكَ Indeed, you, O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Surely you are amongst those who have been sent. The Qur'an is a proof that you are a messenger. إِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ You see the statement, this is jawab qasm. Meaning this is the response to the oath. This is what is being established by taking the oath. Allah takes an oath, وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ And what's the response? What is being established? What is being proven through the oath? That إِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Indeed, you are surely, wallahi, you are definitely amongst those who have been sent. Firstly, an oath is being taken. And then secondly, the statement, إِنَّ كَلَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ This also has so much emphasis in it. Where do we see the emphasis? Firstly, in the word إِنَّ. إِنَّ means, indeed. And then, لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ The lamb over here, which translates as surely, remember this lamb is understood as lamb of Qasim also, because there is an implied oath over here. It's not said, but it's implied. Always, whenever we find this lamb in the Qur'an that translates as surely, there is an implied oath over there. So lamin, meaning surely, wallahi, definitely, I swear. So look at the emphasis. And what is being established over here? That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is indeed among the mursaleen. Among the mursaleen, meaning he is part of the same group of messengers that Allah sent. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the last of them. So you are among them, meaning you are one of them. Just as Allah sent Ibrahim alayhi salam, Allah sent Musa alayhi salam, Allah has also sent you. You belong to the group of the messengers, Mursaleen. Mursaleen is a plural of Mursal. And it is from the root letters, Rasim, Lamb. Mursal, Translates as one who has been sent. Now why is this being emphasized so much? Because you see the people of Makkah, what is it that they accused the Prophet ﷺ of? Lying. They said you are lying, that you are a messenger of Allah. You are not a messenger of Allah. The same man whom they took as the most truthful amongst them, whose suggestion they accepted, the same man whom they trusted, whom they respected, now what happened? All of a sudden they were calling him a liar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Qur'an. That, وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَسْتَ مُرْسَلًا Those who disbelieve, they say, لَسْتَ مُرْسَلًا You are not a mursal. Allah says, 
They say you're not a mursal? No, indeed, by Allah. Wallahi, and the Qur'an is an evidence that you are indeed a mursal. Exactly. That the Qur'an is a proof. You see, when an oath is being taken by the Qur'an, that shows that the Qur'an itself is a proof that Muhammad wasallam is indeed a messenger of Allah. Because this rhetoric was everywhere in Mecca. People were saying this all the time. You're not a messenger. You're not a messenger. They were in denial. And many proofs were given. Like for example, in the Quran, it is also said, قُلْ مَا كُنْتُ بِدْعًا مِّنَ الرُّسُلِ Say, I am not a novelty, something new of the messengers. Meaning many messengers have come before me. I'm not something new. إِنَّ كَلَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 252, Allah says, تِلْكَ آيَاتُ اللَّهِ نَتْلُوهَا عَلَيْكَ بِالْحَقِّ وَإِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ These are the verses of Allah that we recite on you by truth, and indeed you are surely, definitely amongst those who have been sent. So no matter how much the deniers deny, no matter how much the mockers mock, no matter how much they hate, their lies cannot change the status of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is indeed Rasulullah. He is indeed min al-mursaleen. And no matter how much people deny this, their denial does not change that reality. إِنَّكَ لَمِنَ mursaleen In a hadith we learned the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, my parable among the prophets is that of a man who built a house and did a good and complete job. Apart from the space of one brick which he did not put in its place. Meaning the wall was complete and the only thing that was missing was one brick. The people started to walk around the building admiring it and saying, if only that brick were put in its place. The Prophet ﷺ said, Among the Prophets, I am like that brick. Indeed, you are surely among the Prophets. And you see over here specifically, the Qur'an is being used as evidence. Meaning that when a person studies the Qur'an, then what is it that he will come to understand? That the Prophet ﷺ couldn't have been a liar. He could not have possibly made this up. There is no way that a human being could invent this. Recently, alhamdulillah, I've got the chance to study Ulum al-Qur'an, the science of the Qur'an in greater detail. And this is something that has really added to you know this yaqeen that certainly the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. There can be no other explanation. Because just studying the history of the Qur'an, how it was preserved... Right? That itself is an explanation that it couldn't have been the word of a human being. Let me give you one example. Alright? One aspect of ulum al-Quran. And that is the ahruf of the Quran. Alright? Ahruf, basically we learned that the Prophet ﷺ, when the Quran was given to him, remember that the people at that time, who were they? They were an ummi nation. Alright? Meaning the only way they could learn something was how? By listening. Alright? They could only learn something by listening. Majority of the people of that time could not read anything. They had never read anything, they could not read anything. So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ requested that allowance be given in the recitation of the Qur'an. 
meaning that people had their different dialects of speaking the same language, all right, the Arabic language, and not just the dialects, but also when it came to vocabulary, certain words were more common in certain dialects of Arabic language among certain tribes, and those same words were unfamiliar in other tribes. All right. So the Prophet ﷺ requested that the methodology of the recitation of the Qur'an should be varied, meaning there should be more ways of reciting the same text. All right. And the allowance was given. In hadith we learn about this, seven ahruf. All right. Which means that the text is the same, but how are people reading it? In different ways. All right. And the remnants of that is the qira'at of the Qur'an, the variant recitations of the Qur'an. You remember Surah Taha when we studied it? I had you listen to a different recitation. Alright? Now these different recitations, you know many people they use this to prove that look, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa made it up. It's not possible. You know why? Because when you look at the variant recitations, what is it that you see? That every variation, it's only complementing and beautifying and perfecting and adding depth to the meaning of the Qur'an, to the message of the Qur'an. Nowhere is it contradicting it. There is no contradiction despite the variations. Every variation is only strengthening the meaning. Now if you think about it, the Qur'an was revealed in how many years? 23 years. To a nation that was Ummi. To a prophet who was Ummi. Alright? And then on top of that, there were variations in the recitation. Now, if you think about it, there should be at least one or two places where there should be some kind of contradiction. Isn't it? If it was the work of a human being, definitely there would be numerous contradictions. But not even a single place. Do we find that with the variations in the recitation, there is contradiction? Not at all. It only strengthens the meaning. Let me give you an example. In the Quran, we learn, for instance, in Surah Al-Baqarah. Alright? Remember the story of that man who passed by a town that was completely destroyed. Right? And then he wondered that how will Allah bring this back to life? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused that man to die. And with that man was his donkey as well as his food. So the donkey was also made to die. And after a very long time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought that man back to life. Right? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought his donkey back to life in front of him. Now the word that is used for the resurrection of the donkey is كَيْفَ نُنْشِزُهَا Alright? نَشَزَ is to resurrect. Alright? And another recitation is كَيْفَ نُنْشِرُهَا نُنْشِزُهَا نُنْشِرُهَا Alright, these are variant readings, but with a slight difference in the meaning. One means to raise, and the other means to resurrect. Alright? Now, what does this mean? Both the recitations, what are they doing? They are complementing, they are strengthening the meaning. They are giving a more complete picture of what happened. What happened? That the animal was lifted up, Alright? And in midair, it was brought back to life in front of that man. Alright? So, كَيْفَ نُنْشِزُهَا كَيْفَ نُنْشِرُهَا And from now on, inshallah, I think I should focus on the variant readings. Alright? So that you appreciate this aspect of the Qur'an also. That each variant reading only strengthens the meaning. 
it only beautifies the meaning. It only gives a more complete picture. Because the Qur'an is, what is it? It is Al-Hakim. This is the strength, the perfection of the Qur'an. It could not possibly have been the word, the work of a human being. And the study of the Qur'an, what does it prove? That إِنَّكَ لَمِنَ mursaleen. Indeed, you are surely from among the messengers. Recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yasin. 